0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. So good morning. Good morning. My name is Ron. I'm the senior pastor here at St. Saviour's. A big warm welcome to those of you listening online. We're going to start a new series this morning, next few weeks in the lead up to summer. We're going to be talking about some of the passages uh, of being one another they're one another passages. So uh, the, the scriptures tell us to um, be hospitable to one another. They tell us to encourage one another. They tell us to be kind to one another. They, they tell us to be unified, to have unity with one another. Uh, lots of other one another's. And today we're going to be talking about uh, what does it mean to love one another. What is love? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not Love Island. That's what it's not. How many of you guilty pleasures? are watching Love Island at the moment. Just me and you, Ro. Uh, So, I was born in the 70s, and uh, I don't know if you remember. I mean, this was as close to pornography as I got in the 70s. We used to have these little things called (laughs) Love Is. Do you remember that? Two little cartoon characters. Love Is, and then it'll give you... Can we flip that up on the screen there? There we go. Do you remember those? That was it. I think I used to go into the cupboard underneath the stairs. No, love is the way to grow. There's loads of them. Love is motivating each other. Love is when he nibbles your ear and there we are back to Love Island again. Of course, the Bible tells us uh, what love is and you can find that in 1 Corinthians thirteen four to 8 if you want to open that up. Feel free to do that. Love is, I think the words might come up behind on the screen as well. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the last bit, verse 8, love never fails. So that's what love is. Um, We did a series on it. Anyone remember that? Was anyone? Yeah? Yeah, we did a whole series on that, um, taking each one of those bits one at a time. Uh, you can go online and search for that, I suspect, it's probably still up there somewhere. And who do you love then? So if that's what love is, we know it's not those little cartoons, we know it's not Love Island, but the, the Bible tells us this is what love is, then who, who do you love? Because it's not about what, is it? All right, the answer's coming from the, the uh, assistant pastor at the back there. Eager to join in, aren't you? Who is it? What's the answer? All right, okay. That's the end of the sermon. You ruined it. That was my strap line at the end. Uh, what about if we turn to Matthew? We're going to be using your Bibles quite a lot this morning, I suspect. Matthew twenty-two. Why don't you open up to Matthew twenty-two? It's good to open up your Bibles. I think if the uh, hosting team could help people with uh, having a Bible in front of them, I'm sure the uh, the team at the back will probably pick up this as well. Matthew twenty-two. 37 to 40, Teacher, uh, Jesus is asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Um, and actually, the question was, which is the greatest commandment? But Jesus, he's so generous, he throws them in a second commandment, uh, two for the price of one. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the primary call of God in a Christian's life. If you say that you are a follower of Jesus this morning, if you count yourself uh, under the label of being a Christian, then you will know that the primary call on your life is to love God and love your neighbor. I'm hoping, yeah, there's one or two people nodding. Yes, that's good. Okay, well, a couple of you are nodding. That's good. So, love God, love one another. And that's the primary call you'll find in John thirteen thirty four. Could you get that up for me? John thirteen thirty four. A new command I give you, says Jesus to his disciples. Love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So, love those who love you. Is that easy? Yeah, yeah. What about those who persecute you or those who hate you or those who belittle you? A little bit harder. Thank you. It is a little bit harder. During World War Two, the American soldiers on duty in France lost one of their friends. They wanted to bury him and give him a good funeral as he fought for the country. Soon they found a church fenced with barbed wire, found the priest and requested for a burial in the church cemetery. The priest asked, is he Catholic? No, they replied, I'm sorry, he cannot be buried here. This is a Catholic church cemetery. Disheartened, they went outside the cemetery. It was getting dark, and they had to move on with the war. The soldiers took their friend and buried him outside the cemetery. With a heavy heart, they went to their hideout and slept. I'm, I'm going to do what the worship team does, and just drop it to the side. Take no notice of the next one. The next morning, the soldiers got up, and before they could leave the location, wanted to pay one final respect to their dead friend and walk to the grave. To their surprise, they could not find it. They thought they forgot the place as they had dug in the dark. As they were searching for the grave, they found the priest. They asked the priest, sir, can you help us find the grave outside the fence? The priest said, well, for the first part of the night, as you were digging the grave, I felt sorry for what I told you. But after you slept, the second part of the night, I spent moving the barbed fence and included your friend's grave in the church cemetery. We are all called to extend our barbed wire fences to include those whom we are indifferent towards, those who do persecute us, those who hurt us. Um, There's a great saying in the church about belonging before you believe and then before you start to behave. And ours is a church where we welcome everyone, wherever you come from, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, from the lowest of lows. To the highest of heights, we pray. So I hope Look, what's happening here is you, a church where you feel belonging, because that's the first part of your Christian journey, to belong. And then as you belong, people might start to believe, and I pray that for some of you here this morning, that you are believing. And then, if you hang around for a little while longer, you might actually start behaving. I'm still waiting for that to happen with you lot. So what comes to mind? Who comes to mind when you think about someone who's hurt you? Someone who's hurt you, said something about you, done something to you, or your children, or your property, your identity, your name. Who is it? Who comes to mind? Don't shout out just in case the person's in the room. It's fine. But I want you to hold that. I want you to hold that thought. Who is it? Now, do you think this is a polite request from God, love one another? Is it kind of, ah, yeah, 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 if you want to do it, no. A few of you are saying no, that's good. No, it's a command. 1 John 4, 7 puts it like this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Therefore, the opposite is true. If you do not love, you are not born of God. You do not know God. John 13, 34 we've read, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love, as I have loved you so you must love one another. 1 John 3, 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. 1 Peter 1, love one another deeply from the heart. So a few of us here would say, well, we know it's not an option. And in fact, part of the Christian journey, part of your walk with God is to be marked by your love for one another, by our love for one another. Well, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? And of course, you know, Rose already given you the answer. Of course, we, we love. Yeah, because God first loved us. You're going to have to receive God's love You're going to have to take it, receive it, claim it, however you want to say that, in order that you can then pour it back out again, in order that you can then reciprocate, give that love back to God, but also to those who are around you. You can only be a vessel for God. You can only be used by God if you are full of God, if you receive God over and over and over again because we leak. and We can't do this in our own strength. You can only give out... As much as you take in. There was an incident of a construction engineer who was inspecting a building site. While he was out on a scaffold about three stories high, he suddenly tripped and his body fell to the ground. All ran to see his dead body. But a workman below happened to be looking up just as the builder fell. And since he was standing where the man's body would strike the ground, he instantly braced himself, taking the full impact of the falling man. The builder was only slightly injured, but the workman was driven into the concrete. With almost every bone in his body broken, it took a long time for him to recover. After recovery, he was an object of pity and could not work. But later in an interview, a reporter asked him how the man whose life he had saved him was treating him. The man's reply was, "'Well, he gave me half of everything he owns. I also have a share in his business. He never lets me want for a thing.' He is constantly concerned about me. Hardly a day passes that I don't receive from him some token of remembrance. It's a beautiful story of gratitude that I found hanging around there on the internet. But I think so many times we forget that there is one who caught the full impact of falling man. There is the one who caught the full impact of falling man. Who caught us when we are the ones who should be crushed to death. Christ loved us and died on our behalf in order that we can love him and love one another. Thank you, Jesus. God is calling you to love him this morning with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your body, with all your soul. In order that, as Jesus throws in the buy one, get one free, in order that you can love your neighbor as yourself. The Christian call of why we love. The Christian call of how we love. I've got a little video, um, which I'll show you and there is, I will explain that like, I think it's slightly wrong, or
1: incredibly, very wrong, but
0: let's watch it anyway.
1: Who wanted to make a point about how we make the most of our time. The professor stood before his class with some items in front of him. When the class began, without speaking, he picked up a large, empty jar and proceeded to fill it with rocks about two inches in diameter. He then asked the students if the jar was full. They agreed that it was full. So the professor then picked up a box of pebbles and poured them into the jar. He shook the jar lightly and watched as the pebbles rolled into the open areas between the rocks. The professor then asked the students again if the jar was full. They chuckled and agreed that it was indeed full this time. The professor picked up a box of sand and poured it into the jar. The sand filled the remaining open areas of the jar. Now, said the professor, I want you to recognize that this jar signifies your life. The rocks are the truly important things, such as family, health, and relationships. If all else was lost and only the rocks remained, your life would still be meaningful. The pebbles are the other things that matter in your life, such as work or school. The sand signifies the remaining small stuff and material possessions. If you were to put sand into the jar first, there is no room for the rocks or the pebbles. The same can be applied to your lives. If you spend all your time and energy on the small stuff, you will never have room for the things that are truly important. Pay attention to the things in life that are critical to your happiness and well-being. Take time to look after your health, play with your children, go for a run, write a letter to your grandmother. There will always be time to go to work, clean the house, or watch TV. Take care of the rocks first. The things that really matter set your priorities. The rest is just pebbles and sand. Because it's a, a
0: philosophical thing, uh, they've got the wrong rocks. The, the rock is this. This is the rock in your life. And um, it doesn't matter because I've already broken this wedding present. Do you remember when I did this four years ago when I first arrived? Love God, love your neighbour. I broke it before, so if it breaks, it doesn't matter. But you're going to need to put this rock in first. You're going to need to orientate your life around this rock. Otherwise, the other stuff ain't going to fit. put that rock in first and you guys can think about well what are the the stones in my life and then what are the bits of grit what's the sand that I'm going to throw in there and you can think about that and apply that to your own lives I'm sure but you're going to have to get it in the right order for it all to work for it all to fit you can only be kind to one another you can only be hospitable to one another you can only encourage one another you can only have unity with one another you can only love one another when you put the rock of God in first in your life Now cast your man back over the last week. Think about where you put God first in it. Let that sink in. You know, you can only be a loving husband. You can only be a loving father. You can only be a loving wife. You can only be a loving mother, son, daughter, colleague when you receive God's love and you give it back to him because I know what spills out of me when I'm not full of God. Any of you that were at the APCM will have seen that in action. Hmm. What spills out of me is anger and rage and bitterness and slander and gossip. That's what spills out of me when I'm not full of God. One of the ways. One of the ways in which you can respond to the love of God in your life is to be obedient to what he calls you to do. What does it look like to be obedient to to God's calling in your life? What does it look like for you? Has a certain implication for me, but what does it look like? What's the implication for you to be obedient to God in this moment and for the years to come? One of the ways we respond is to be obedient. See, love, calls for sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice we know paid by Jesus Christ it calls for our sacrifice too I was watching Transformers movie the other day Uh, without sacrifice one of the uh, robots said without sacrifice there can be no victory without sacrifice there can be no victory it's true of Jesus without his sacrifice there would have been no victory over sin and death but that has been won for you claim it for yourself this morning And without sacrifice, there can be no victory for you. Many of you might not think that going to minister in Malibu, I think there's a little PowerPoint, um, is much of a sacrifice. Uh, The name in the, uh, there have been people there since the two and a half thousand years before Christ. The name in in, in the Indian Chumesh means the surf sounds loudly. I realise that's not a great picture up on this. But this is basically America. Ah, That top left is America. And God said a lot of times in the Bible, God says these words, two little letters, go. Obedience looks like going. Not very often does God say, come as much. Come and follow me, yes, but go. When he tells someone to go, he doesn't often tell them where they're going to. So God told us about a year ago that we were to go to the West Coast. And initially I thought, well, you mean the West Coast of England? Hadn't even thought about America or any other West Coast, Ireland or wherever. Um, Because that's where we found our faith and the church is 20 years behind, maybe more in Devon. Apologies if you come from a church in Devon but it's far behind London you know we're, we're ahead here um, and so we thought that but actually what he meant was go to the west coast of America so that is a map of America uh, you can see Los Angeles over there that's probably just about as far west you could get to without going to Hawaii I suppose the map on the right hand side is a map of uh, a bigger map of Los Angeles uh, sort of the centre of LA is here uh, Malibu is this bit here and then this bit is actually Malibu which is 21 miles. Along the coast. Is there any more pictures after that? Yeah, see, that's what I think of when I think of Malibu. Many of you are probably thinking, oh, that's where they make the rum. And that, that's, that's one of the beaches as well. So you can feel for me when I'm sacrificing myself in that place. More goes than comes. Kirsty, Kim, Claire, many people have joined our staff team because God said, go. Leave what you're doing, leave your work, leave your family, leave your church and go. Minister there, I want you to go. These guys have made tremendous sacrifices in their life in order to serve God because they believe God has called them to this place and time. Sometimes it looks like people like Rachel who was our office manager, Receiving the call from God to go from this place, to stop ministry, paid ministry here, and to minister in a paid position in a school, using her gifts and her talents. Sometimes God says, go the other way as well. Where is God telling you to go this morning? If you read uh, Judges 6.36, when, when God said go, I said, you're going to have to make it really clear, uh, God. God. You're going to have to, and this is the way that God has spoken to us in the past, maybe he speaks to you in these ways, perhaps he doesn't, maybe he speaks in other ways, I pray he does, but he speaks to me through signs and through symbols pointing towards his goodness and his confirmation. So on a Friday evening when we kind of worked out, we thought, okay, God may well be sending us to the west coast of America, you're going to have to give me some really big signs because this is a major move in our lives, and actually I'm really enjoying myself as the vicar at St. Saviour's right now. My staff team are absolutely phenomenal. I'm really enjoying myself. You, God, are doing some incredible things in and around our community. I'm really enjoying myself. And I don't want to go unless you tell me to go. I don't want to go on a whim. So I said, if you read uh, 6, 636, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. So I laid out a fleece, and I said, give me three signs of California in the next 48 hours of my life. And three signs of California came in within two hours. A friend of mine on social media had suddenly finished his road trip in California. Oh, I've just arrived in California, he posted. The book that I was reading, the character ended up in California. I turned on the news, there were fires in California. I was like, okay, God, that's not quite enough for you. And if you go with Judges 739, it's perfectly biblical. Or sorry, 639, it's perfectly biblical. Because obviously God did that with the fleece. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Uh, let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. Thanks. That's, this is why I use the one that, which is there, doesn't, hang, doesn't go down. Allow me one more test of the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with juice. So I said, okay, God, I'll lay another fleece out. Maybe you could make it five different instances of California in 40 hours. He delivered five within a day. So then I said, well, we've got a few more hours left. And this is not biblical. This is a bit where I've gone over the Bible. Give me eight signs of California. We got to seven. Yeah, we got to seven individual signs. I promise you I was not stood in a Hollister shop going, oh, look, California, California, California. Seven signs, and I did a fairly British thing and went, well, maybe you're not in it, God. I did that kind of disbelief, that doubt. Are you really in this? And then a week later, at New Wine, at the end of a seminar, a man I trust turned to me. He does not hear from God very often, but he heard God say to him in that moment, God is going to send you away from us at St. Saviour's, and he's going to send you somewhere else in the world. I knew what God was going to do. And I said anywhere pick anywhere in the world doesn't matter anywhere you like as quick as a flash he comes back California what God was teaching me in that moment was you will wait for my timing my timing is best and you will wait you will have patience to wait for my signs so there's eight signs a week later I'll tell you that's not the best of it a week later we're on holiday in Bruges anyone been to Bruges anyone been to the chocolate museum in Bruges back street of Bruges, not very many people around, I'm enjoying the sunshine, the kids are enjoying the chocolate museum. I'm sat with God and I'm saying, Lord, I know you're sending us there, but hey, it'd be really fun, don't get angry with me, but it'd be really fun if you sent a couple of people to this spot here from California. That would really confirm it for me. And the Lord was so gracious, God was so gracious, within three minutes, no one had approached me, 45 minutes, within three minutes, a couple came right to where I was stood, with an American accent, I said, is there any chance, didn't want to offend them and call them American when they're Canadian, any chance you guys are from California? Yeah, yeah, we're from Sacramento in California, which was the place which began our hunt, because we felt God might be calling us to a particular position in Sacramento, and they knew of the church where we had first thought, you know, could this be where God is calling us to? So then I started to worry about immigration. How do you get into America? And of course, that's all human stuff. You know, God's already given me these complete signs. I want you to go. I want you to go. And then I start to, you know, like Peter gets out of the boat. Starts to walk towards God. Walks on the water and then takes his eye and realizes there's all this stuff going on. How on earth are you going to get us into America? This is ridiculous. For starters, I'm from Southall. That's all human concerns, right? Because what does God do? He blows that out of the water. Because the church I'm going to, they have their own immigration lawyer. God, nine months ago, was going, Ron, don't worry, don't be anxious. I have all of this in my plan for you. So if surrender is the name of the game, we started to surrender our stuff, and we said, Lord, do you want us to sell? the things that we have in order to fund because there's not a lot of funding over there. One of the positions I looked at was basically not even enough to cover the rent on the property. There's no houses when you go over there and be a vicar over there. They don't have houses attached to this so you have to rent a place. One of the jobs would have required giving all of what they had into rent and that wouldn't have even covered it. So we started to sell our things and hold it all very lightly. God do you want us to sell the apartment that we have here and we'll just put it into the kingdom of God? Because I know that if I sow into the riches and the treasures of the kingdom of God, I know what I'm going to inherit when I come and I stand before God and I, I hear those words. Lord, may I hear those words? Well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, amen. Yes. I hope I hear those words. We started to surrender ourselves in order to follow God's call to go. We started to surrender ourselves into a style of worship. There's a lot of Anglo Catholicism that goes on in the Anglican church in America. I said, Lord, if you want me to go and minister in a place which is totally alien to me, outside of my comfort zone, because that's where you're telling me to go, I surrender. I surrender my preferred style of worship. And God in his grace said, No, don't worry about that, six months ago. Because the place I've got lined up to you is like where you serve right now. It's like HTB, it's like a new wine church. We went to five different churches in California, Roe and I, because we felt we needed to be there. We needed God to speak really carefully and and consistently about this is the place. So we went and saw five different churches and we got through the first four and we looked at each other and we went, this is not it, is it? What What if? And the last one we walked into and we had the same feeling that when we walked into this place. Exactly the same feeling of being at home of being welcomed and of knowing the presence of God. The presence of God there was as tangible as it is here. I don't know what you think about the American God, but he was definitely there that day for us. It's a word and spirit church. God said, you're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to lay down all of that. Don't worry, because actually what I've got for you is good the hardest thing the biggest sacrifice for us is going to be our family pray for me in the next service as I look towards my mother at this point who will be sat right there because at 83 I don't think she's going to make the journey how would you feel if God said go and leave your family behind you well As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Harsh, you might think. Harsh, you might think. He wasn't saying, actually, the guy's father had just died and could I just have 10 minutes to actually do the, the burial. What he was saying, can I go back, tend to my father and wait a couple of years whilst he goes through that process of dying and then bury him. So Jesus is very clear and as your vicar, I have to stand in front of you and say I'm being obedient to God. If I'm not being obedient to God, there isn't a catch chance that you guys are going to be able to do that. I've got to lead by example. I've got to lay down my wealth. I've got to lay down my possessions. I've got to be open to the leading, the sending of the Holy Spirit. I have to go all in. How many times you heard me say that at a vision giving sermon and you guys have stood very graciously with me and said, yeah, we're all in for St. Saviour's. We're all in for God. I have to go all in. I have to go all in for the all in all. The one who gave it all. Otherwise my life doesn't have any meaning. Let's pray together. so God loves you how are you going to respond to that love what are you going to do as that, that sinks in as you're reminded of how much he loves you what's it going to look like to love God with, with everything you have to put God first to put him first in your life Keep your eyes fixed on him. What's the application for you? What's the thing you take away? That's all right for you, Ron, but me, I've got my life here. I've got my things, my stuff, my family. Have you got my God? My God. My God. What's it going to look like to, to receive that love and then to pour it out again? To love God, to love one another. What's it going to look like for you to do that?
1: For more information
0: about St. Saviour's, please visit our website,